What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode number 23 of the Walkout Podcast. I'm Lance McCullers Jr. And I'm Carlos Correa, bro. I got to tell you, I'm a little sad, bro. You're I'm sad? A, I'm a little sad because you're leaving tomorrow to yeah. Florida and the Walkout Podcast is going to go virtual. We're going to do it through Zoom or, you know, whatever. And we're not going to be together for a long time. Bro. I'm going to be missing you. I know Carlos left for like seven days. Uh, I didn't see him in like seven days, and I text him like, bro, when are you coming back to Houston? I miss you, bro. <laughs> when are you, you coming back? Facts, bro. We're not going to see UFC 256 together. No, it's tragedy. We're not going to see. Um, that. That's the only one we're not going to see because that's, oh, we got the, the fight uh, December 19th. Yeah, it's Thompson yeah, now. We're not going to see that one, but we'll be back in January. We'll be back. We'll make, Strong. We're going to make sure to still come with you guys with, with, with the good stuff because there's a couple of really good cards coming up. So we're going to have to make sure we're doing the recaps and the and the features of these cards, even if it is through Zoom. Absolutely. Uh, we have a big, big card today. We had Anthony Smith on the podcast. Thank you so much, Anthony Smith. That interview is coming for you guys. Any number seven and so many things from UFC 256 to John Jones to UFC cuts. I mean, there is a lot of things to get into. So I'm ready to roll if you're ready to roll. I'm ready to roll, brother. All right, baby. Anyone coming right now. All right, guys, welcome into any number one, and we are talking about UFC 256. It is this Saturday. Of course, it is built around Figueredo versus Moreno for that belt, and we have some amazing fights on this card. But before we go down down the line of cards, uh, fights, uh, rather, uh, Carlos, talk to me about this Figueredo versus Moreno. It's like a three-week turnaround from the last fights. Um, Figueredo obviously defended that belt. Moreno uh, had a very um, convincing win. And uh, they are fighting now for the for the 125 belt just a couple of weeks after uh, they both fought. Yeah, but very interesting how the UFC was able to save um, this card. And one thing I'm kind of scared about is Figueredo making weight with just three weeks. You know, um, he missed weight um, starting 2020 on that fight against um, uh, Joe Jitsu. And then he's been able to make weight on his next two fights. Um, but right now, I don't know how I feel about him going out there in November for the pay-per-view UFC 255. He got the convincing win. And then in three weeks, he got to make 125 all over again. For you guys that don't know uh, Figueredo, he's a big dude for 125. He's got to cut a lot, a lot of weight yes, to get there. So I don't know, man. The three weeks, you know, I'm, I'm kind of worried. I'm not worried about his performance. Once he makes weight... I think it will be an easy win for him. When I look at Moreno, um, he's a great, great grappler with some good striking, but he doesn't have knockout power. When you yeah, look at his stats, correct. 18 wins, three by knockout, and you got to count the one that Roy Ball got uh, dislocated shoulder. That counts as a knockout. So when you look at it, he doesn't have that knockout power. So Figueroa is going to walk him down, and then you look at the submissions. He has 10, but... Is his submission game better than Figueredo's? Is he stronger than Figueredo? That's something we're going to find out. But I think Figueredo's going to cruise through Moreno. And, you know, he's a superstar already in the UFC. He's just going to keep growing. He's going to eventually be in the top five pound for pound on the on that list. And, man, this guy's a monster. This guy's a monster. I, I, I don't see anybody beating him in that division. I don't either. And, and like you said, I mean, Brandon Moreno is a very, very good fighter. I mean, my man has, um, you know, all the tools it takes for you to be successful in the UFC. Obviously, he's the number one contender for a reason. I mean, Figueredo is just, uh, he's a better version of Moreno. And that's no disrespect. I mean, Figueredo, he he strikes better. Uh, he grapples better. He's higher level in jiu-jitsu. So this is going to be a, a tall a tall hill for, for Brandon Moreno that he has to climb. But if there is anyone in this division outside maybe a Cody Garbrandt coming down, um, I think this could be the guy to do it. We saw, you know, like like you mentioned, I mean, Moreno did have did display a very 
um, impressive level of jiu-jitsu in his last fight. So, you know, maybe he does go toe-to-toe with Figueredo, um, get some shots off and take it to the mat, and, and maybe that's the way he decides to finish it. But going back to your um, weight cut issues, um, Figueredo just a couple hours ago actually had a quote on that. There was an article, and he said, quote, I'm having a very special attention here in Las Vegas at the UFC Performance Institute, and you can be sure I will make weight much easier than before. But then he added a God willing at the end. So you never know. But he said, I'll be ready and on weight to put on a show for all the Brazilian fans on December 12th. So I think Dana made a a great move here. He knew this card needed a saving. We have talked about this, that this card needed some a, a big fight at the top to, to really kind of tie it together. They both fought just a couple of weeks ago. He kept them. He kept Figueredo here. Didn't want him to go back to Brazil having any problems with with COVID or traveling. So we kept him here. Made sure he's working out at the institute, making sure his weight is um is on target. You better believe Uncle Dana is gonna is, is doing everything he can that this main this main event that this you know um this car is dependent on and figure uh, Figueredo and Moreno will go through. Yeah, absolutely. And I was watching the UFC countdown today, and I actually thought that um, Dana forced Figueredo to stay. But if you look at the post-fight interview by Figueredo, he called out Moreno. And yeah. he said, Moreno, are you ready for December? Let's do it. Dana White, make it happen in December. And then Dana White came in the interview um, in the press conference, and he said, we're going to keep Figueredo here. Right. But it's Figueredo who really wanted that. He right. wanted to fight, but he wanted to go, I guess, back to Brazil and yeah. then come back and fight over here. And I misunderstood that. And Dana White forced him to stay here, and I think that's the best decision the UFC could have ever made because now at the Institute, like he said, he's probably going to make way. They're taking care of him. Um, like probably in Brazil, he was not taking care of himself. So, you know, hopefully he makes weight, and we're going to see the superstar that he is perform on, on, on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, this is going to shoot Figueredo. Um, you know, this will be, the, I think, you know, this will be the quickest turnaround for a UFC champion. I mean, it is going to shoot him into a level of stardom, you know, if, if he finishes Moreno in spectacular fashion. I think the only things left for him to do is if he wants to stay at 125, he can go ahead and fight Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt is a name in this sport, uh, one of the youngest UFC um, you know, champions, you know, former champions around. He's still pretty young. So he has that at 125, or of course he has 135. You mentioned he is a big uh, 125 pound fighter. So he could go up and, and challenge Peter Yan or maybe, you know, Aljamain Sterling, depending on how that whole situation works out, um, you know, for that belt. Absolutely, brother. And, you know, Figueredo is going to be a superstar. But like you said, if Cody Garbrandt is not ready in March, he said he was going to be an active champion. Yeah. So if Cody Garbrandt is not ready, there, I don't see anybody in that division that can challenge him. He already beat Moreno, number one. I mean, he's going to beat Moreno this Saturday, hopefully. Number one. Joseph Benavides finished him twice. He's number two. And then you got Alex Perez, who got submitted in less than three minutes at number four. You know what I mean? So he, there, there's no not there's many guys out there that can. So he might probably have to go up for that double champ status at some point. I mean, he can definitely do it. And, you know, that's not only the only the only fight on this car we're looking forward to. I mean, you have Tony Ferguson versus Charles de Bronx Oliveira. I mean, you talk about two guys staring at mirrors of each other. I mean, this is the fight. I mean, obviously, Tony Ferguson is, is, is a household name coming off a, you know, pretty devastating loss to Gaethje, uh, you know, back this summer. He's back in the, you know, back in that octagon. Oliveira hasn't fought 
um, since March uh, 14th when he fought Kevin Lee, and he put on a uh, amazing performance there. He got the su- submission in, in round three. So these are two guys who love to you know love to stand in the pocket, throw hands, but also two guys who are high level in jiu-jitsu. How do you see this fight going? Um, we know your love for uh, you know for Oliveira is pretty deep, so I, I would assume you're probably going to lean that way. Yeah, I, I love Oliveira, and I've been following him for a long time through his ups and downs of his career. But for you guys, everybody knows Tony. Everybody knows the killer that he is, the 12-fight winning streak uh, that he was before Gaethje. But let me tell you something about Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira has the most submissions in the in UFC history. He has the most finishes tied with Cowboy in UFC history. He has the most performance of the night bonuses in UFC history. He's a third-degree black belt. I mean, this guy, you go to the matter with him, you stand no chance. He's a third-degree black belt. And he's on a seven-fight win streak all by stoppage. I mean, this guy is on a tear right now. He's on the prime of his career. Tony Ferguson is more on the back end of his career right now. He doesn't look as good as he once used to look, as quick as he used to look. The timing is not there like it used to be. So I think right now I'm leaning Charles Oliveira, not only because I love him, but also because he's confident. He's been putting in the work. He's been getting ready for this special moment. And this is the fight that will get him closer to the title. He needs one more win after Tony to fight for the title, and I think he's motivated and ready to go. Tony's motivated also, and he he's is. a great fighter. Yes, Let's not take, you know, this like he's going to be a, a walk in the park for Charles, but Tony will have to make big adjustments if he wants to win this fight. Yeah, when Tony won, you know, went up against Gaethje and he had that pretty devastating loss, we both said, I mean, Tony needs to take some time here. Tony needs to kind of pull back. He needs to heal up. He needs to rest up. He needs to understand what went wrong in that fight. I think just from, you know, a, a, a fan perspective what went wrong in that fight was Tony had a completely wrong strategy uh, moving in and he was unwilling to make adjustments and the coaching wasn't great in that fight versus Gaethje so he really didn't do that though he didn't take a long time to you know kind of rest relax and recover and try to identify what went wrong and how how he can be better he started you know kind of training right away doing his you know champ only shit um and now he's back in the octagon, and you're talking about a guy in, you know, Charles Oliveira who has one fight in the UFC. I mean, he has losses along the way, but he has one fight that hasn't been decided by a finish. Mm-hmm. And that was way back when I think it was against like Frankie Edgar or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it was unanimous uh, decision loss. So this guy comes to, you know, he, he puts it all on the line. Sometimes he, you know, ends up on the, on the better end of the stick. But as you mentioned, seven fight win streak, they're all finishes. This is, for me, this is going to be a finish of the night. One of these guys is going to finish of the night, and I just think that Oliveira mirrors Tony so well, but he's younger, and I think his grappling is better, his jiu-jitsu is a little better. The striking, Tony may have a, a small advantage, although Oliveira's striking has looked better of late, but I think in the end, Oliveira will pull this off. Yeah, and they have uh, an opponent in common, and that's Kevin Lee. Yes. And we saw um, the damage that Charles caused on Kevin Lee on the feet. On that fight, you know, Tony was getting beat by Kevin Lee on the on the feet and Charles Oliveira. Every time he was connecting, it looked like he was causing a lot of damage on Kevin Lee's face and body. I mean, you see when a guy punches somebody, some guys usually eat it and they move forward. When Kevin Lee was eating his punches, he was feeling them. He was in shock. He was like, whoa, I didn't know this skinny guy could hit this hard. And, you know, Charles has made some big improvements. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this big step up in competition for him. And this is time, bro. This is his springboard. Yeah. This is his springboard into that top five in the stardom and really have a shot at that belt, uh, which is kind of up in the air right now. But there are weight. um, There are weight making issues, you know, lingering. 
We talked about Figueredo a little bit. Tony Ferguson went to his Instagram. He posted a picture of some scrambled eggs and a sweet potato and basically said, you know, this is what I've been doing. This is what I've been on. This is champ shit only over here. If Charles Oliveira comes heavy, because in his mind, he believes the fight was a little bit last minute, so he may come in heavy. He's not fighting. Do you worry about Charles Oliveira? Um, and at least Tony's finally starting to stand up for himself and say, you know, you know, he. I think he understands the position he's in. He knows this may be one of his last shots. Yeah, I, no, I, I'm not worried about Oliveira at all. Just because this is the fight of his life. Yeah. This is the most important fight of his life. And even though it's a three-week notice, I think he's going to make weight. I think he's been staying ready. He's been posting a lot of videos throughout the pandemic, throughout everything that, that the world has been through. He's been posting videos. He's been staying ready for whenever he got that call. He finally got that call for the fight of his life. I don't think. I don't have... 1% probability that he's going to miss weight. I mean, this guy's going to go out there, he's going to make weight, and he's going to put a spectacular performance for the fans out there. Well, you heard it from the man himself. You know, if, Car- if Carlos Correa says it, it's going to happen. So Charles <laughs> Oliveira is going to come in on weight. We're going to have an amazing co-main event. In my opinion, it's going to be one of the performance bonuses of the night. And don't forget, under that, we have Holland versus Jacare Souza. Jeez. I mean, Holland was supposed to fight against uh, Jack Hermanson this past week. That didn't happen because of COVID issues. So he's stepping in now against uh, Jacare. I would have loved to see Holland in that main event against um, Hermanson because I really believe that could have been his time to shine. So similar to how Marvin did, but this is a great fight for Holland. And, um, you know, he's, he's going for fighter of the year right here. Oh, he is. He is. I mean, he's been on a tear, um, in 2020, he's got four fights already, two knockouts, one submission, one decision. He put Buckley to sleep in spectacular fashion for you guys. that know, don't know Buckley. He's the guy with the viral KO with the spinning back kick straight to the face. And a fun fact about Kevin Holland, brother. I mean, in high school, the reason he got into fighting was because in high school, he, he just loved to fight. He fought every single kid he saw out there. And he got kicked out of his high school for headbutting the security guard. I mean, this guy was wild back then. And if you see the Dana White Contender Series when he competed, he put on a great show. But he was talking and talking and talking for 15 minutes straight. He would not shut up. And then a white didn't like that. He said, I'm not signing this kid. He told our boy, Mick Maynard, I'm not signing this kid at all. I don't want this kid in the UFC right now. So they didn't sign him. Tiago Santos goes to fight on August 4, 2018. His opponent dropped out. Dana White called the Contender Series guys that they signed already, and they all said, no, we don't want to fight Thiago for our first fight. You're crazy. Right, of course. So what does Dana do? Call Big Mouth. Let's see if Big Mouth will take this fight. <laughs> he calls Big Mouth. Big Mouth said, hell yeah, I want this fight. He goes up there. He puts a great performance against Thiago, and even though he lost, he was back and forth with Thiago. He didn't get finished, and Dana said, oh, now I want this kid here. He went on to win some fights, and now he's out there fighting for fighter of the year and uh, top 10 position in the, in the in that division. Yeah, man, I'm happy for this dude. You know, he's, he's come through Houston. He, he trains through here. And, you know, you know, Jacare Souza is not the man that we once knew, but he's definitely still a legend in this sport. I mean, uh, Kevin Holland is going to have the advantage on the feet. I think it's, got, it's clear, you know, Kevin Holland does have, you know, a, a, a you know, good background in, you know, the, 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 the ground game and jiu-jitsu and stuff, but obviously that's Sousa's wheelhouse. So yeah. Holland needs to keep this on the feet. He needs to just, you know, take his time, pick his punches, find his opportunities. And, uh, you know, I think, I think he comes out with a huge W and, and, and if he gets it in big fashion, it mm. could propel him to fighter of the year. Absolutely.
That'd be huge for him. Who else have we got in this, in this Man, card? We got uh, Dern versus um, Verna on the prelims. I mean, guys, uh, this uh, Verna is only has one loss in the UFC. It's to, it's to Esparza. It was on short notice. It was her UFC debut. She has 13 subs in, uh, in her professional MMA career. Mm. And obviously, Mackenzie Dern, everyone knows... Uh, she's one of my favorites. Her only loss inside the UFC or in general is to Amanda Rebus, who is now um, a pretty household name. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be a really good fight. I think this is just going to be a, a test of jiu-jitsu. Both of these women, um, you know, their striking is solid, but it's not, you know, their forte. These, they are jiu-jitsu practicers, and this is what they, what they love, what they do. So this fight will end up on the mat at some point, I believe. I don't know who's going to take it there, but we're going to find out uh, who's the who's the better, uh, you know, practicer on the ground in, in this fight. And I think whoever controls the ground is going to win this uh, win this one. And I'm hopefully it's Mackenzie Dern because, you know, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, we also got Moicano and uh, yeah. Fisi, bro. Yeah, it's going to be a good fight. And Renato Moicano, he was a threat at 145. He got finished by Jose Aldo, and then she got, he got finished by the Korean Zombie. So he's going up in weight. He's going to 155. He's going to face uh, Fisi. For you guys that don't know Fisi, he fought uh, in Abu Dhabi, Fight Island. They call him the Matrix because, you know, when the the, the opponent was throwing the, the, the head kicks, he was leaning back like the Matrix, and we never seen that before. This guy uh, had an impressive uh, debut in the UFC, and this is going to be a big test for him. Moicano is is a great, great fighter, and so is Fisip. So we'll see. That fight is going to be really interesting out there. He might be fight of the night. Oh. Um, it's it's going to be back and forth. They're going to stand and trade. These guys are monsters. Yeah, I love that. I love that call for fight of the night. This is your typical, you know, as like Carl has said, grappler versus striker type of matchups. We'll see how that plays out. Obviously, UFC 256 is not short on amazing fights, so make sure y'all tune in. That's going to be it for you, number one. And number two coming up, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite or everyone's favorite to hate, Mr. John Jones and his move to heavyweight. All right, guys, any number two, and we're talking John Jones, the light heavyweight goat on his uh, on his move to heavyweight. He had an interview the other day, and he dropped a quote, and this is what it said. He said, the light heavyweight division was fun, but I wasn't scared of these guys anymore like any of them, and I think it showed in some of my last performances. Obviously, I still trained hard, but there was no urgency in some of my fights. With these guys I'm going to be up against, I respect these guys. These guys are intimidating. They're intimidating as shit. It just gets me up in a whole different type of way. So this is kind of what we talked about with John Jones. We mm-hmm. did mention that when we heard rumblings of him going to heavyweight, even before that, we kind of said it looked like John Jones is bored in there. It looked like John Jones isn't challenged. It looked like he's just taking the easy path to victory. And we really wanted something new for the light heavyweight division. We wanted something new for John Jones. So does this quote give you give you that good butterfly type feeling about John moving up to heavyweight? Um, bro, I love the move about John, you know, going up to heavyweight. Um, he wins the heavyweight title. He's undeniably everybody's goat. But I have a problem with him saying, oh, these guys, I was not scared of them anymore because I was here in Houston for UFC 247, I think it was. The fight that you told me no. Because uh, of your just, friend. Just continue. Anyways, I was here. because I had a baby. And I saw him running away from Dominic Reyes. I actually saw him sprinting away from Dominic Reyes. So when you say you're not scared of somebody and you run away from them like that after they scorch you with an uppercut, um, you win close fights like that, uh, it raises some questions you know, for me. But at the same time, you know, when you look at this guy, I mean, he's got 15 
title wins. Um, he's being in this division, torching everybody. So, you know, you got to give the benefit of the doubt. This guy has been dominating this division since 2011 when he was champ against Mauricio Rua. So, you know, um, he needs new motivation, and that's right. the heavyweights. The heavyweights, yep. they possess a new challenge for John Jones. Um, we know he started his career as a wrestler. It's not going to be easy to take Francis Ngannou down. It's not going to be easy to take Curtis all these guys Blades. that are a lot heavier than you. That been The black beast. Yeah, this way for Stipe. so much longer than you. It's going to be a lot harder to do that. So he's going to have to find different ways to win these fights and stay out of range so he doesn't get clipped because the lightweights might not knock him, knock him out. It's 205. That's fine. But there's some heavyweights out there winning 250, 240. I mean, it's a different. There's punch. heavyweights out there that aren't that are having a hard time making weight at 265. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're I mean, cutting weight to make 265. I mean, every time John has faced a big, big fighter, even when he came back from his layoff and he fought OSP, he didn't look good in that fight. Mm -mm. We had the fight against Gustafson where a lot of people thought maybe he lost that fight. Obviously, he looked much better in the rematch. You fight a guy like Dominic Reyes. He's, he's, he's just as big as you, just as tall, just as long. Those type of guys, you know, he did seem to struggle with a little more stylistically, but I understand what he's saying. You can only be in one spot for so long as an athlete and just continue to get the same, you know, result over and over again. And 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 your effort level just kind of starts to wane a little bit. We mentioned before the Reyes fight, the week before the Reyes fight, he's out and he's out with his brother at the Super Bowl. You know, he's partying. That's not a that's not a UFC champion like mentality. And I think, you know, him just assuming or thinking he was gonna win, people that didn't challenge him in his mind wasn't bringing me the best John Jones. So it was, it was a mixture of a couple of things for me. One, I do think he was bored at 205. Two, I think he wants to be the greatest of all time, undebated. I think when people talk about the GOAT, they want to say John Jones is number one, you debate two through five or two through 10, you know? Mm -hmm. So this is the way he can achieve that. And I think he is coming toward kind of that, you know, maybe back quarter of his career he's still a great fighter but that back quarter where you can see that finish line and I think that he wants to go up and make a statement start getting start getting paid I think he believes that heavyweight there are more kind of super fights so to speak where he can start you know collecting them big I mean he gets paid I mean John Jones gets paid but he I, gets I mean he paid. wants to get paid paid yeah I know and and that move to heavyweight means more money I mean you're not gonna take that risk for the same amount of money when of you can stay not. a light heavyweight torching dudes up out there making it look easy so you know, I'm excited for that. John you never Jones. know, man. That weight cut could have started being, he's getting older. It could, it could have started getting tough on him. You know, maybe, you never know, guys. And, and the whole motivation thing, he's not training as hard. He's not staying on his eating regimen. That that weight cut can be, you know, more difficult. So the, the move to heavyweight for me at that time, it, it was the right move. I mean, love him or hate him, he's a great fighter. He's one of the best to ever do it, if not the best. And, uh, you know, we all respect John Jones. He's had a great career. So heavyweight, can't wait. Who do you think that first fight will be? Oh, man. I know Curtis Blake said no, but that would be a great fight for John Jones to start. Yeah, it would. It would be a great fight. I mean, it's, I mean who's Curtis Blades is not going to take him down. I mean, John Jones is the hardest guy in the whole roster to take down. Um, and then when it comes to striking, bro, John Jones has a big advantage. I'm just, you know, because you got, we're going to talk about Francis in a little while, but, you know, you have uh, Stipe as a champion, you know, because of the multiple things he has going on with not only the health stuff, but, you know, his job as a fireman, he's defending the belt once a year, and Ngannou wants, wants the belt. So, I mean, is John just going to keep lifting, keep training, keep getting stronger, and wait for Ngannou and, and, uh, and Stipe to kind of clash, and maybe he gets a shot for that? Uh, I don't know. But they can make John Jones and Ngannou for the interim championship. They could. I don't hate that idea. No, I don't hate that That's at all. That's going to sell a lot of pay-per-views. A lot. If you promote it right. And you got John in that? Oh, man. 
Um, when the time comes, I'll let you know. And okay. that's a tough decision right okay. there. Cause Engano is just that's a one. Good, that's a good, uh, that's a good sidestep. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, keep your eyes out for John Jones at the, at the heavyweight division. We look for big things. He, you know, go to his Instagram. He's posting, he's up to 240, I believe now. Mm. So this, this is going to be a strong, different looking John Jones at a heavyweight. And number Thick. three, we're going to be talking about the UFC cuts. You guys may have heard the UFC is playing to cuts many fighters and have already cut two household names coming up next. Inning number three, and as I mentioned, the UFC cuts are what is kind of going through the world of MMA. That is the the popping topic, so to speak. We have two cuts. I'm sure there has been more, but Romero and Ostevich so far have been the two big, big names that have been cut. Um, obviously, everyone knows Yoel Romero. He's been a staple in the UFC has had you know three, four, maybe even five title fights, and uh, Ostevich is coming off a three fight. Uh, skid, but is obviously, you know, she's still a big name because of the people that she draws to the game. So the UFC's not not messing around, man. They're they're here to to, to make some cuts, some some maybe some that people are going to be a little uh, uncomfortable with. Yeah, man, and you got to understand those moves, man. I mean, during the pandemic, a lot of people, you know, obviously losing money, including the big industries. Um, and the UFC's just cutting the guys that are, you know are not are not on their primes that are not as good as they used to be or never lived up to the hype. Rachel also, which is one of those, you know, he had, she has yeah. 800,000 followers, but on Instagram, but it's not because she can fight. It's for other reasons. And yeah. Joel Romero, as good as he once was, you know, he's been losing close fights. Yes, but he's on a big, um, um, losing streak. And you know, you, you, you gotta do what you gotta do when you're Dana White and you have so many fighters coming in from the contender series and now the ultimate fighter. Some fighters are going to come in the roster as well. So, you know, I hate that Joel Romero is going out because, you know, he's given us so many great moments in the UFC, including that one time we were in New York when he had that um, yeah, the, the, that the knee, knee against white men. And, you know, I just love him. I just love his persona and the guy that he is. But I'm sure he will have a job somewhere else, man. I mean, somebody's got to find this freak, man. For Yoel Romero? Yeah, Well, you already see Bellator has come out and the Professional Fighting League has come out. Mm -hmm. They both said that they have no real big interest in signing Yoel, which is surprising for me. I thought Bellator would be all over that. I mean, Bellator in the past has been basically just signs anyone the UFC kind of gets rid of. But you have one championship out there. The Bare Knuckles Fighting, of course, said that Yoel would be a perfect fit. I mean, I don't know if, if they'll you get that done. You know what's a perfect fit? The WWE, brother. For Joel, right, Joel you're, a wrestler yeah. with that personality representing Latin America. I mean, he fits perfect in the WWE roster. Right? I mean, I, I still think that he thinks in his mind he's got a lot of good years left of fighting, but you ain't wrong. I mean, he would be someone that people would definitely tune into. I don't really watch WWE, and if Joel Romero was on, I don't know, SmackDown or something, I, I may have to, tur I may have to tur uh, tune in for that. For sure, brother. I mean, I think also you're seeing a new influx of talent in the UFC. Mm. We got the Wolf. You know, we had uh, Lazez, the sniper, uh, make his UFC debut. We already mentioned uh, we got uh, Vaziz uh, coming up, He, you know, from from his professional fighting, and he's kind of new in the UFC. So you have a big influx, uh, you know, Provashka that is now, you know, a light heavyweight of these new fighters that because of the pandemic, the way that, um, Mick and, and Sean Shelby in the UFC had to go grab fighters so quickly to fill these cards. And then they turned heads and mm -hmm. they said, wow, you know, these guys are out there. They are big names now. These guys are people that, you know, the fans want to see fight. So when you have these new influx of guys who are in the rankings, who are going to be 
um, you know, possibly household names or, or people the UFC are pushing, you got to cut the excess weight. And unfortunately, um, you know, Yoel Romero and, and Ostevich are, are the first two kind of big names, you know, so to speak, to get cut. But Dana says there's about 60 coming because the roster is so inflated. And I can imagine there are going to be they're going to be some big ones. There's going to be some big names out there, including Chogun Rua. I mean, yeah, Rua, but it's time. Silva already went Silva's out. Silva's gone. I mean, you got T Wood right there that lost 15 rounds in a row. Yeah. I, I think mean, what you know, Dana. 38. Yeah, Dana's going to start going to these guys and say, "Hey, we got to restructure these contracts." You know, it's very similar. It's like a, a football player, right, or any type of uh, athlete. You're you sign these big contracts, and toward the end, maybe you're not you're not doing what they expected you to do. They need some flexibility. The team comes to you says, "Hey, we got to restructure that contract. We got to either you know bring that money down, or you know figure out how to separate over a, amount of years." So it's it's going to be in a lot of these UFC fighters to be willing to do that. Uh, to stick around or not, you know, we've seen guys move on. We've seen Demetrius Johnson move on to, you know, one championship and, you know, get broke off. You saw um, Paige Von Zant, they, you know, bare knuckles fighting. I still think that's going to be a disaster, but she's there. And apparently her <laughs> contract is seven plus figures. So there Whoa. are, there are, there are opportunities out there beyond just the UFC, um, you know, for some, for some of these fighters, especially the ones that, that have that big following, like, like you will. All right, guys, is it for any number three? In number four, we touched a little bit on it, but we're going to talk a little bit more about Francis Ngannou. All right, guys, welcome to in number four. We're going to be talking a little bit about Francis Ngannou and his heavyweight debacle. You know, he said that he's having a hard time staying motivated. He said it's been a lifetime since he fought in the UFC, and he's feeling very frustrated because it's the same story over and over again. Even when he fought Rosenstrike back in May, um, you know, he said that he believed that he should have been fighting for that title. Of course, uh, Stipe went up with the trilogy f- against Daniel Cormier. So I do you feel for um, Ngano? I know I do. And what do you think the next move is for him? Because we don't know uh, when Stipe is going to be ready to fight. Right, I feel for him 100%. You get guys in the UFC that get title shots coming off losses. When you look at Francis Ngano, he fought, he fought Cordis Blades. Knockout, 45 seconds. He fought Cain Velasquez after who was considered by many the greatest heavyweight of all times in the UFC, he knocked him out in 26 seconds. Then he faced Junior Dos Santos, a guy that was, that was a champion in this division, knockout in one minute. And then he faced Rosenstrike, and he knocks him out in 20 seconds. How can you deny this guy a title fight next? I mean, there is nothing for him out there. He's finishing all these guys under a minute. He's got to fight for the title next. And I get it. He's frustrated. Um... You know, he's got to wait for Stipe. Stipe got a lot of stuff going on um, back there in Cleveland. But Stipe's got to fight him before March, in my opinion, brother. I mean, this guy has been waiting a long time. Stipe had his fight with, with Cormier a couple months back. I think it's time for him to book a fight and be ready for March for Francis Ngannou. Yeah, I mean, uh, Stipe fought in August against Daniel Cormier. Uh, you know, had the unanimous decision win. And and Stipe is a, is a great fighter. He's a friend of the podcast. He's been on our podcast. He's an awesome dude. But, you know, facts are facts. And, you know, he's fought Max two times in one year since since he's earned that belt. And, uh, you know, you go back to 2014, 2015, he was fighting three, four times. So, you know, Stipe, you know, he does have, you know, uh, I think this, it's an eye issue. Uh, possibly, um, obviously he's a firefighter there in the city of Cleveland. COVID is still, you know, kind of, um, on the up and up. We haven't really figured out how to, you know, kind of keep it under control, but he does need to fight. And he, it was, it's been two years now that basically Ngannou has been the number one contender. And over those two years, he's fought one time against Cormier and then against, again, one time against Cormier. So that was back in August and, um, 
Uh, Francis did say he went back to Cameroon because he figured it was going to be four to six month layoff, but he is hoping for a fight. And, you know, Dana's going to have to figure it out because on one end, you're letting a guy who's saying he is definitely 100% retired, never fighting again, keep his belt. You're not making a top five, you know, Conor McGregor versus Poirier as the interim, as the interim title. And, and we don't even have a champion that says he wants to fight. On the other hand, Stipe is saying, I'm going to fight. I just need some time. I need some time off and I need to be able to settle. I need to be able to start training again. You know, don't forget, Francis did lose to Stipe. Okay, mm-hmm. he did lose to Stipe. 2018. And, and, and 2018, it was a pretty convincing fashion. So Francis has a right to be frustrated because he has done what he needs to do to get back to the top of the mountain. And Stipe needs to fight, but he did just fight in August. So Dana needs to sit down with, with Stipe or Francis and just pick a date. It can be freaking June. It can be July. But I think at this point... In Francis's career, he needs some direction, and it's either a it's either a date with the champ or a possible date with John Jones for for an interim belt. Yeah, and you know, I I saw that he said that he's not gonna be um, on his prime for much longer. I mean, he's he's on his prime right now. He's feeling great. Um, he's healthy. Um, so he wants to fight as as much as possible. And uh, you know, Stipe is holding it back. And we talked about this. We talked about this before the Cormier fight. We said. Oh, Stipe is what, 37, 38? Is he going to retire with a win over Cormier? Retire as the greatest heavyweight of all time? You don't have to face, face all these guys that are coming right behind. And he didn't retire. And Did he's going to hold on to the belt and he's going to fight Francis Ngannou. It's a dangerous fight to take, especially with the eye condition that he has. Um, so we'll see. Whenever that fight happens, we're going to be really excited. We're going to be covering, breaking it down. But man, I need it to happen now. You know, I, I think what you mentioned earlier with the interim belt, I think is perfect. Stipe can have time off. If he wants time off, he can have it. Mm-hmm. But you, but but then Dana's got to move forward uh, with with John and with um, and Ghana would make a date. But the other flip of the coin is John isn't ready yet. John's two forty right now, and mm-hmm. he's just. I don't think he's training a whole bunch. I think he's just straight up lifting weights, you know, eating, trying to get as big as possible, um, in, in the right way. So John isn't ready, and Stipe isn't ready. So then Francis either just has to continue to wait. Or he's got to do what Ferguson did and what some of these other guys do, what Hermanson did, and take a fight that doesn't necessarily do much for you, and and, and then you risk uh, you risk losing your rank. Bro, the, the heavyweight division is a shit show right now. Because yeah. right behind Ngano, you got Curtis, Curtis Blades. Blades, who's got a four-fight win streak, and he's going to fight Derek on Lewis. the Black Beast at some point. If he beats the Black Beast, he's going to fight... Five fight win streak. Yeah. And he can't jump in Gano because he lost to him twice by knockout. So this guy is gonna if he wins John against the Black Beast, we're hoping the Black Beast wins. But if he wins against the Black Beast, he's gonna have to sit on the sidelines also. Yeah. Or fight or John the Black Jones. Beast gotta sit on the sideline too. Yeah, it's I mean it, it's, it's a chit show. That a Black Beast will be on a three or four fight win streak, yeah. mostly by finishes. So, you know, it'll be something that the heavyweights, I think it just gotta start getting active a little bit. Yeah. You know, you see you see how they're doing at the flyweight. You know, at these other at these other levels, where where it's not really you know a problem at you know one eighty five or one seventy because these guys are fighting the dudes they're supposed to fight. The you know the matchups are being made, so that you know that Black Beast versus um, Curtis Blades fight. Hopefully, it's going to come up here in January, February, something like that, and um, you know Francis can hopefully find that date with Stipe, and then of course. John Jones will be sitting there waiting, and who knows if John Jones is going to have to fight a Black Beast or a Curtis Blades winner before he gets that title shot. But there is a lot, a lot of drama and a lot to go through in that heavyweight division, and only time will tell, and of course, Uncle Dan's decision-making. Coming up, we mentioned inning number five. We have COVID issues. 
We have a lot of people that are having to pull out of these events, and uh, we have a couple more that I just had to do it. So, in number five, we're going to be talking about COVID issues that the UFC is facing right now. Welcome in, in number five, and guys, we have some COVID issues. COVID has obviously been a, uh, a massive issue uh, around the world. It's been a you know global pandemic for, God, man, seven, eight, nine months now. Yep. And uh, it doesn't really seem to be going away. Seems to kind of be spiking again. So first and foremost, make sure you guys are safe. Make sure you guys are healthy for these holidays. Think about your loved ones that um, you know you are or are not seeing. Um, you know, so the well wishes here from the walkout for everyone with COVID issues. But the UFC has run into their fair share. Just in the past, you know, seven eight days, Angela Hill um, has tested positive. The Edwards uh, Chimaev fight is off. Uh, Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis had to get rescheduled. De La Rosa. Um, El- Evlovov, uh, Flick versus Durden, uh, Grant, Robertson. I mean, all of these all of these guys, a lot of them actually testing positive on the day of fighting, which means they were in the hotel all week. And the day of the fight night, uh, these, you know, these, these, these fighters are testing positive. So, you know, what is an idea that 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 you know that we that we could come up with to try to, you know, save a little bit of these fights because you know, this starting to become an issue. Dana White says it's worse it now. It is worse now than it was when the whole, you know, global pandemic kind of kind of started. Yeah. First of all, people are not treating us seriously anymore. You know, people are not acting like they were back in March. Oh, it's Kobe. We can't leave yeah. the house. Like people are just going about their business like it's normal. And you get guys in Brazil. You get guys all over the United States training, grappling. There's no social distancing when you're no. grappling. Yeah. Stephen A. Smith. Um, but <laughs> when you look at um, all these guys, the only way you can do it is build a hotel next to the apex and have Everybody in the roster train at the apex, and that's not going to happen. Nobody's going to agree to that. We didn't agree to that uh, during the baseball season because, you know, everybody wants to be with their families. They want to be able to train from the comfort of their, you know, hometowns and their coaches and all that. So, you know, it's something that's going to happen. But thank God it's not the big fights besides the Leon Edwards and Chimaev. Um, the big fights are still on. Blaze and Curtis got canceled. Yeah, but I'm talking about the pay-per-views. You know, Figueredo, yeah. the Tony Ferguson's. You know, those those fights that are going to bring pay-per-view numbers um, are still there. Mick Maynard, Sean Shelby, they probably on the phone 24-7 because every single day there is bad news. Somebody has to pull out, and they replace the fighters so yeah. quick. I mean, it's insane. Respect to them. Also, respect to the fighters that are taking these fights in short, short notice so the show um, can keep going on. Um, I mean, COVID is affecting so many people, bro. But the UFC, they were they were the ones that showed the world how sports could get back. Dana White did that with the team um, over there at the UFC. And, man, they're, they're making all this happen. So I'm proud of what they've been able to do. And we get to watch fights together on Saturday For night, sure. brother. I mean, there's nothing better. There's no doubt that, you know, we've, we have said this from the, from the get-go uh, with Dana. I mean, we, we were giving him rounds of applause on this show. We were giving him shout-outs nonstop for what he's been able to do. I think they got to try to um, do a little bit of what they did in Abu Dhabi. And I know Abu Dhabi, they kind of have their whole little Yaz Island. They have they have much bigger, you know, space and but they can still try to create some sort of quarantine zone. I mean, maybe bring these fighters in a week early. You know, bring these fighters in a week early before their fight, especially for the pay-per-views. Uh, make sure that they are quarantined, make sure they are negative, move them into the zone. And that's gonna, you know, that's gonna eliminate your you know, the, the day of having to cancel three fights. Um, you know, Yaz Island, and no wonder they took McGregor and Poirier over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, no wonder they're they're trying to book you know the biggest fights 
um, for them over there in, also the in Abu Dhabi because the money's there, but also the safety's there. They know when these guys show up in Abu Dhabi, they know that they are going to to make those fights, you know, bearing any injuries or weight cuts. I mean, it gets ugly. You saw that Figueredo, he he missed weight, you know, and then we were worried because he had to cut weight in his room the next time. He had to continue training in his room before his rematch with, uh, you know, Joe Benavidez. So I think the UFC has done a great job overall. I just am starting to see a trend here where these 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 fighters are starting to have to pull out, you know, time and time and time again. So we may have to go a little bit, you know, sleep in the gym, you know, kind of close the gyms down, um, do do things a little bit, you know, a little bit um, of what these guys don't want to do. On the other end, I mean, these guys don't have to fight. You know, the, the, we have a six, seven-month season that yeah. we were talking about having to go live in isolated zones, um, which is why we were against it. I mean, you know, they're, they're in fight camp on their own, and we're talking two weeks. You got to come and you got to isolate you know, for two weeks because, you know, it's getting worse out there. And, and also, you know, we're, we're, we're losing big fights days of. Also, I know the UFC can do a lot of stuff, but the fighters got to take responsibilities because, sure. you know, Leon Edwards, he's out there in London. I mean, you got to test every single sparring partner that you're going to have. You got to test them before you roll with them. You test them. You're negative. Okay, now you got to quarantine with us for the, for the last month of the, of the camp. And we're going to roll, we're going to work out, we're going to go back home, we're going to eat together, and we do this all over again for the last month. And that way, Leon Edwards and Chimaev will not be canceled because these guys are getting tested back there in London, wherever they are. They're taking responsibility to make a paycheck, to go out there and perform for the fans. So I think that also the fighters take responsibilities. They get tested, they test the training partners, their coaches and everybody. They create their own quarantine at least the last month. Yeah, I agree. I think we'll have less fights canceled. It's a great idea. I mean, the fighters definitely do. The UFC is obviously doing what they can. Yeah, the fighters got to take a little bit of responsibility and, and try to, you know, Angela Hill just tested positive. And she says, you know, with 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 sparring and with it working out, you know, at your local gyms, it's just hard. But, you know, you got to find a way to, to make it happen. I mean, you know, Angela Hill, you know, she's she's had a great come up this year. She had a couple losses, but they've been they've been good losses. They were great fights. The fans love her. You know, she's, she's been on UFC. She's been commentating now, giving her she's opinions good. post and pre fights. I mean, she's good. I mean, she has, you know, the the, the fight games attention and, and it just sucks that you see. Uh, her have to drop out on you know on one of the big cards in the year. All right, guys. Well, hopefully the COVID issues will get resolved and we'll have a a good 2021. And hopefully no more fights are canceled. And number six, we're gonna transition to boxing a little bit. Talk about Mayweather versus is it is it is Paul, it Jake Logan, Paul? Logan, Logan Paul, Paul, one of the Paul brothers. All right, guys. Is that that's coming up next? Floyd Mayweather, possibly the greatest boxer. Of all time, Mr. 50 and 0 is going to do an exhibition against 0 and 1, Logan Paul. Jesus. What do you think about this? Because Carlos is our boxing guy in this podcast. I watched boxing growing up, you know, the the De La Hoyas and, you know, Tommy Hearn growing up, but obviously Mayweather, I mean, you know, the Kodos, but Carlos, I mean, this is in his blood. Boxing's yeah. in his blood. So, what do you got on this um, on this exhibition um, boxing match coming well, up here in February? I hate to say it, but I gotta agree with what Mike Mike Tyson said after the fight. You know, boxing is a dying sport. We all know that the UFC is taking over. The UFC numbers are going up to the roof, and the and boxing is going nowhere. And these YouTubers and all these guys, when they're fighting, you know, you're getting a lot of views. And I get that Mike Tyson was in this card, but 
when you look at the card on the Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr., the number one trending topic in the world was uh, Jake Paul's knockout over, over Robinson, the basketball player. You got the basketball community talking about it. You got all the YouTubers, all the gamers talking about it. You got the entire world talking about it. So it's putting the spotlight back in boxing. And then you can watch Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. Um, go at it. So if the YouTubers are putting the attention on boxing once again, I'm okay with that. When you look at Jake Paul, um, he's a great boxer. I think he's really good. I think he has a future in boxing. He got power and he got good timing and all that. But I think they need to start fighting better opponents. And when you look at Logan Paul, he's a guy that lost against another YouTuber. KSI. He's not as good as uh, his brother. But this Mayweather fight, man, it's an exhibition. I mean, it's just for fun. They're going to get paid a lot of money. People are going to tune in because I'm going to tune in. I, I would love to watch Pretty Boy um, Money May fight again. And even if it's, again, a guy like a YouTuber like this, I'm going to tune in and, and watch. Um, so, you know, if it's going to bring attention to boxing once again, I'm all in for it. Yeah, I mean, you got to give it up for the Paul brothers. I mean, they have, they have completely pivoted from, you know, you know, YouTube content creators to kind of being hated by everybody. Now they have pretty successful uh, podcasts. I mean, I know this one Paul brother does like Yu-Gi-Oh cards and he's got like these crazy rare Yu-Gi-Oh cards selling for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. What? I'm not kidding. You ever seen the video? <laughs> no. Bro, okay, listen, listen, listen. Jake, I haven't uh, Logan seen Paul. one of their videos. Okay, okay, Logan Paul, okay? He um, is into Yu-Gi-Oh! And I guess Yu-Gi-Oh! is a booming business. Mm. I didn't know I didn't know this at all. I mean, I had Yu-Gi-Oh! cards back in the day. I shouldn't have thrown them away. Um, so he, he, he takes a PJ out to this guy's house in California and brings a, brings a briefcase of a, a, like 150 Gs in this briefcase. Goes to this guy's house, and this guy is known as like the biggest... Ah, uh, it's Pokemon. Oh, Pokemon. It's Pokemon. Oh, I was like, Yu-Gi-Oh? It's Pokemon. Oh. Shit, I screwed that up. But anyway, the story still goes. He goes to this guy's house, and this guy has, like, all these crazy rare Pokemon cards, like Charizard this and, and Charizard that, like, editions and Diamond editions. Pikachu. It's crazy. Pikachu, like, everything. These cards are selling for, like, hundreds of thousands wow. of dollars. Like, even a million dollars, these are these are going for some of these cards. It's it's nuts. So he goes to this guy's house and basically he does this whole vlog. Like he goes to this guy's house and he buys his Pokemon and also he bought these like ten crazy rare packs. And then he goes onto his podcast and his YouTube channel. And he's auctioning off the packs for like crazy amounts of money. I mean, my guy is flipping Pokemon cards. Wow. But anyway, back to right, back bro. to the boxing. He's pretty big dude. He's like 6'2", 200, 210. 190, he weighed in. 189, he weighed in on his fight against KSI. Yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering what the weight's going to be like. But regardless, I mean, I feel two ways about it. Like the other day, um, I was at a, a, a toy auction, a toy event that, that I had here in Houston. And, and one of the kids asked me <laughs> if I knew who Jake Paul was. Oh, God. He's like, yo, you know who Jake Paul is? He's like, you got a TikTok? I'm like, no, nah, I got a TikTok, bro. I was like, you should get a TikTok, bro. You, you become TikTok <laughs> famous. I'm bro too old for that shit. So I kind of feel like, damn, these, these young kids coming up are thinking that like Jake Paul, Logan Paul are like boxing. Like the, the those are our versions of like the De La Hoyas and the Mike you know, Tyson, Tyson's and Holyfields. Holy these are these these YouTube boxers. So I was kind of like, man, you need to go look up like Tommy Hearn. You ever seen Tommy Hearn fight? Yeah. He was like, who's Tommy Hearn? He was only 11, so I kind of gave him a break, but. Um, 
Go, go I don't to ESPN. Know, man. Watch Rocky Marciano yeah. and all those guys. I don't know, man. I guess it's good for boxing. It's bringing people back. I love the Mayweather uh, Connor crossover because uh, that was great. It, it's 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 still a you know martial art. It is still a professional fighter coming over into someone else's world. So obviously we knew Mayweather was going to win. I thought Connor may win. I bet you Connor's going to win. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I don't know how to feel about it. I feel like yeah, good. It, it, Bro. It is bringing people back to watching boxing, but it's not boxing. It's 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 an exhibition. So it's, it's not professional boxing, but it's still boxing. But, bro, it gets people talking. When you go ESPN First Day, Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith talking about this. I went to the gym today with my brother, and my brother's like, bro, um, um, Logan Paul is 190. If he hits him with one punch, <laughs> oh, he might no. go down. And I'm like, bro. He ain't going to hit you, him. You know, you know he's not going to touch Mayweather, right? You know that Can you Cotto, bro. Canelo, all these monsters bro. couldn't take him down, bro. What if? What Stop. if don't do it? What if he throws an overhand it. right do and it. there's a light in Floyd's eye <laughs> and he blacks him Stop. on this right, this crazy overhand right? I forgot to tell you when I finished talking to him, I said, That's why you're such a casual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got uh, you guys know by now that we got to chat with Mike Carter Williams. This is his, this is his test today, <laughs> inning six. Mike Carter Williams, see if he's listening. Uh, if you get called a casual in the chat, it's like it's like a hard stuff. The other day, Carlos kept calling um, Michael Carter Williams a casual so much that at the end of the night, when we were all going to bed, because we all tell each other good night, uh, he had to like literally be like, "Mike, I'm just kidding, bro. Like, I know you're you're a huge fan. Like, I love you. You got a lot of knowledge." And and Mike was like, "Okay, thanks, bro," because I think it kind of got to him a little bit that night. It did, it did. The, the reason why I had to say that was because he had Garcia beating Spence. I had Spence beating Garcia. Spence yeah, we won. all did. Then he had Vettori losing to um, the Joker. And I said, bro, don't sleep on Vettori. Vettori's nasty. Like, he oh, gave we easy. both had Vettori. Yeah. And I said, he gave easy hell. It was a split decision, close fight. And he's like, no, no, the Joker. And then I was like, bro, you went 0-2 today. That shows how casual you are. Blah, blah, bro. And I had to apologize. I had to say, bro, you're right, man. You know, you know, yeah. you know about this shit. Yeah, we're just, we're just messing. But as you said, I mean, it made it onto the walkout podcast as the topic, inning six. So... Obviously, people are talking and, you know, uh, it can bring pap- uh, bring people back to, you know, kind of watch boxing. So when, the, you know, the Javante Davises, the Earl mm. Spences, when those guys do fight, maybe people start tuning in a little more. Absolutely. I guess we're going to watch it. We're going to watch it, bro. Okay. Come to my house. I'll we're doing some of that McAllen 18 Ooh. years gabby for my birthday <laughs> and we're set. All right, baby. Any number seven right now, I got to interview Anthony Smith, a light heavyweight contender that is coming up for you guys right now. All right, guys, welcome back into the Walkout Podcast. We are joined by Anthony Smith, light heavyweight contender in the UFC, uh, amazing fighter. Uh, if you guys don't know a lot about his story, uh, an amazing man. So welcome into the Walkout. I appreciate you coming and uh, sharing, this, uh, sharing this time with me. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Uh, let's have a good time. Yeah, for sure. So typically, uh, my co-host Carlos Correa would be here, but it is his anniversary today. So we've given, uh, we've given Carlos today off. Um, so we'll have to do it, uh, just us two, but first man, congratulations on your big win. Uh, just about what, about two weeks ago here, uh, it was a really beautiful, uh, sub there in the first round coming off of, uh, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, top level opponents, you know, some, some losses, but congrats on that win and getting back in the win column. Yeah. Thanks, man. That was a, that was a heavy one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've never lost two in the row, two in a row in the UFC before. Um, you know, and, and it was a big risk, you know, fighting uh, an unranked guy being ranked in the top 10. That's a that's a definitely a big risk because just because there's numbers before everybody's name doesn't mean 
<laughs> that the rest of those guys aren't good, you know, like, especially a light heavyweight at 205 pounds, it only takes one shot to drop anybody. So 100%. I was happy to get in and get out. That's for sure. Yeah. I think that's um, something that, you know, as bad as this pandemic has been, I just think on everybody, I think that's the one thing that um, fight fans that are maybe new to the sport or have started watching the last couple of years and they'll watch like the main events or they'll watch the big pay-per-views that they've been able to see is how good uh, the roster is and how great these guys are. Even dudes that are making their debuts. I mean, we saw one the other night, um, you know, uh, uh, now we have a guy in, in your division and uh, uh, Provashka that yeah. just made his debut this, this past summer. So people are able to see the level of, uh, of competition that's out there. So what do you see, you know, what do you see for yourself moving forward? I mean, obviously you, you fought against John Jones, you fought against uh, a lot of people's greatest of all time. It was a really good fight. Uh, you, you could have, you could have taken the W, uh, but, you know, but that's a, another topic for another time. What do you see yourself moving forward? Uh, well, to, you know, just real quickly to go back to the, you know, what, what I think the fight fans are seeing now with this pandemic, you're, you're seeing a lot of a lot of the things that us as fighters already knew. Um, and that's kind of what made this fight with Devin Clark so dangerous. You know, it wasn't that long ago that I was unranked coming in to fight number eight Shogun on short notice and no one knew who I was. Uh, what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to pay. I didn't want to pay that favor back right now. You know what I mean? I, eventually, someday that's going to come back around and and, and I'll have to you know, it's kind of like your contribution to the game, you know, eventually, uh, when I'm getting close to the end, there's going to be some young up and comer that's going to come take my spot. Uh, that guy's just not going to be Devin Clark and it's not going to be right now, but yeah, not right now. You're far um, too young in the game for that. Yeah. But I think it's cool to, for the fight fans to be able to see like, like Yuri, that dude's been on my radar for a long time. We just haven't been in the same organization, but it's cool. Like the guys like that are now getting opportunities and, and, you know, guys like Marvin Vittori came in short notice, main event spot, not a lot of hype behind him. We all know that dude's a savage, but you know, the, the, the casual fan doesn't know that. So uh, I think that's cool. Uh, as far as me, I'm just going to keep, just, just keep, you know, just pounding away at the pavement, I guess, you know, I, I've had a lot of mindset changes lately. Um, it's always been like, what's going to get me to the title quickest? Like, who can I knock off next? Like, I'm, I'm just trying to be in the moment a little bit. My coach always told me, you know, and I'm sure you get it too. Like as, as athletes, you always have these coaches that you kind of confide in. And then they always say something that like, you know, he always told me like, make sure you're enjoying the journey. And to be honest with you, I kind of just blew that shit off. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I'm having a good time, like whatever, you know, but like until just recently, I don't think I really like honed in on what that actually meant. Um, I was so focused on the next one and what was next and who can I beat next that I wasn't really living in the moment I was in at the time. So um, I haven't really looked too far forward. Obviously, obviously, you win a big fight in a main event and everyone and their mom is on Twitter calling you out and everybody wants to fight and Jimmy Crute and Johnny Walker and Misha Serkinov and, you know, Jimmy Manawa. I mean, the, the list just goes on. All, all these guys want to fight now. So um, I'm sure that, it, it, you know, it'll probably have to be someone a little – further down the rankings again uh just because i did have a couple tough fights and and you know I, i'm i'm not unwilling to have to prove myself and and make sure that everybody knows that i'm at, i'm at the spot i am in the rankings for a reason so that's kind of what happens though like you drop a fight you drop two fights you know i'm still ranked number six in the world like i now i have to defend that spot you know it's, it's less about continuing to climb right now i have to defend it right now so uh i think devin clark was the the first guy on that list i'd imagine you know, Paul Craig or Jimmy or, or one of those guys are going to be next. Um, 
but you know, I'm, I'm just not looking too far forward. You know, I'm going to enjoy the, the holidays and Christmas with my family. And Absolutely. New Year's and, and, you know, hopefully get back in there in March. Yeah, that's, um, that's something that you, you mentioned is, is not looking too far ahead and kind of enjoying the moment. Uh, it'll be my, man, this will be my seventh season, uh, playing for the Astros coming up. And I feel like just yesterday I was making my debut and you know, you, we deal with those feelings too, right? I dealt with those feelings too. It's like, uh, you get kind of caught up in what do you want to accomplish? Obviously it's a, it's a little different, um, you know, in our respective sports, but you get caught up in what do you want to accomplish and maybe, you know, how much money you want to make and all these type of things. And then, you know, you, you look back and you're like, man, six, seven years went by and, and it's hard to, you know, kind of remember, um, you know, what, what you were really doing for me, you know, having a daughter at the beginning of the year and this whole pandemic, uh, has kind of slowed everybody down, but you mentioned, you touched on something and I, I wanted to kind of bring it up because as athletes, um, talking about, you know, mentality is a little bit, I don't know, it's shunned upon, I guess it's not shunned so much anymore, but a lot of people like to shy away from it. They don't have to talk about you know, having mental coaches or therapists. Um, that's something that you've been open about, you know, how do you feel like that's helped you and you know, in, in your fight game? And then obviously just in your life. You know, I, I, I didn't talk about it for a long time. You know, I, I've used that same therapist before. Um, and, and especially me, everyone's always pegged me as the guy that's the most mentally tough dude in the game. And, and I push through and, and, but that doesn't mean that I don't feel the same shit that everyone feels, you know, it, it's, I, I just, I guess I just dealt with it better, but I don't, I don't know why it was, it's been so, I don't know, like such a taboo thing. Like, it's not like we're not people. It doesn't matter what sport you play, whether it's baseball or fighting or whatever, like we're still regular people. And I have the same issues and the same worries, especially as parents. I worry, you know, like we got the same things we worry about as everyone else. The way I look at it is it's like, because we make, a lot of money or because a lot of people know us or, or because we're really good at something. I, I, I guess that makes people think that we are not allowed to have problems sometimes. And I, I just don't, I guess when you, when I think about it like that, it does, it makes no sense to me why it's such a weird thing. Like it doesn't matter if you're really good at fighting or you're really good at baseball or you're really good at, you know, whatever your normal job is. Like there's a lot of people that have normal jobs that make good money that have issues. And it's, there's no problem. Like go see a therapist, deal with your problems. But if it's an athlete, it's kind of like, shut up. We don't want to hear about it. Um, but I think, you know, in the last couple of years, it's, it, that's changed a little bit, especially with this pandemic. It made, it's made it a little easier because everyone's kind of been forced to talk about the things that are going on in their lives because it's just, it's everything's so bad. So yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's helped me a lot. It's, it's, you know, I, I think that some people thought it was like me and her were sitting down talking about fighting. It's, it honestly, we don't even talk about fighting that much. It's a lot of the, stuff that's surrounded or, or how I feel about a certain thing. Um, and just, I don't know, man, it's like, I just, she's a big whiteboard and I just, we just sit there and I just throw shit at her and she catches it all and then organizes it. And we kind of put it in a, a you know, like a, a different buckets. It's like, is this one really important right now? Or is that just you beating your feelings about something? Or is it, you know, like I started putting things in my phone, like a notes on my phone that like in the moment, um, I thought that was a really big deal. And then I go to talk to her about it and I, I can't remember what it was, but at the time it was really important. So I started putting, you know, like putting notes in my phone and then we go through it. And honestly, if there's 10 things in there, there might be two that are actually really important that we should spend time on. But um, I still talk about them and make sure that we get it out of the way. So I'm not just putting that in my own, you know, my own little bullshit bucket that overflows later on and then shit falls apart again. So um, it's it's been really, really helpful. And it's just nice to, 
you know, especially as like high level athletes, there's not a lot of people that you can talk to that you can trust without it being worried. It's going to end up on fucking TMZ or something or used against you. And, and you know what I mean? It's going to pop up on Twitter and then people are going to, you know, know all your business. It's cool to have someone that no matter what I tell her or no matter how, what I tell her about how I'm feeling or, or what I think about something like that's just me and her and it never leaves that room again. And then I'm not carrying it with me all the time. No, I get it, man. I've, I've seen a, a, a sports therapist uh, ever since, basically ever since I got drafted. I got drafted in 2012. I was just an 18 year old kid. And uh, after my first season of pro ball, um, you know, I was just, I don't know. I kind of felt, I didn't, it wasn't like any one thing in particular for me. I, I just, I just kind of felt like I couldn't really focus on what I was doing. I could, I was kind of getting sidetracked a lot. I was kind of hazy about the job and, you know, I started seeing a sports therapist, uh, you know, through my agency and, you know, it's done wonders. I feel, um, especially for me, um, you know, every, you know, we our, our season six months long and I'm pitching every, every fourth or fifth day. So, uh, just being able to, you know, kind of feel free, I guess, for me is, you know, being, being mentally, mentally free, I guess, to try to uh, do my job at, you know, the best I can, because I can only imagine, you know, going through a fight camp, you know, you have those eight to 12 weeks, you know, depending, I guess, um, unless you're Tony Ferguson, um, yeah. you know, to, to build up for your fight. And if, if something's off, man, if something you're dealing with is wrong, um, I can imagine how that kind of would compound through the camp and lead to, you know, bad weight cut or, you know, just, you know, anything. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I've heard you talk about it before. I see some interviews on it. Um, so I think it's really, it's, it's just something that I think us as athletes, I think does tend to get missed. And I, and I think that's because there's so many other things we have to worry about. Um, and, and I think one, one piece for me that I, def, that I definitely think gets missed. And I think that it's probably more relevant to, to like baseball or football or, or like you were drafted at 18. I've been doing this since I was 17. So not only is it, a, you know, being a professional athlete is tough as it is doing it as you're growing up. Like I'm started when I was 17, but I'm 32 now. So like I've grown up in this sport. So like my view on kind of the world and what it looks like and, and, and how the world has viewed me has been different. So I'm, I've literally grown up in front of everybody's eyes. And then people forget like, you know, you see child stars all the time that are like when they're, you know, like, like movie stars, like they start when they're kids and they're all goddamn disasters by the time they're adults. Like we're doing that on a very small level compared to some of those guys because they're, they're so much more popular and there's more money and more, more eyes on them. But on a, on a smaller level, that's a lot of the stuff that we do. Like, you know, you come in playing baseball at 18 and then seven years later, people are like, well, you got to, he's like the same dude. Like you're not the same dude. Like you're gotten older. You've, had a lot more life experiences and, and, and people forget that like it's it's sometimes it's different for athletes because we don't always get we're not afforded the same opportunities to make mistakes as everybody else is 100 percent. when you do make those mistakes unfortunately it's in it's in front of the masses <laughs> or it's on tv <laughs> you you don't get to hide uh, your your mistakes uh can you talk a little bit about uh your story on how you got into mma because i know about it i've, I've read about it a couple times i think actually your last fight they, they touched on it. They touched on the subway and the, yeah. uh, and the, the flyer you, you saw, um, for those listening that, that don't know your, your kind of evolution in the fight game. Can, can you talk about that? Cause I think everyone thinks you, you know, go to high, go to college and are this, you know, all American wrestler and you go to the Olympics and you get out and you start training and you make your UFC debut, but it doesn't quite happen that way. No, no. So I grew up in a small Nebraska town and, and, 
you know, it's, I, I'm sure I got a similar story to lots of people, just small town BS and, and it's tough, but I was just kind of a, I don't know. I was always a good athlete, but I was never really committed to anything fully. And I uh, was getting in trouble all the time. I was just partying with my friends. I just dropped out of high school and we go to get a, uh, a sandwich, like lunchtime, me and a buddy, and we go to a subway. And as we're paying, there's this little flyer that's, it looks like someone just printed a bunch of them off on a computer and snipped them out or whatever. But uh, it just had like amateur fight night. And I like, I, I knew what the UFC was, but I wasn't like a, a huge fan. Like my grandpa had rented like some blockbuster VHSs before for me and I'd watched them, but I wasn't like a huge fan. So I didn't really know exactly what it was. It just said, if you wanted to fight, then here, be here at this place at this time and this day. And so I went to, I actually went the first time just to watch uh, and check it out. So me and a buddy, we grabbed some beers and drove up to Omaha. It was like an hour and 10 minutes and uh, sat down and it was like one of the coolest places I'd ever been. Like just some little shit auditorium in South Omaha, like just nothing to it. Really the cage was on the floor. It was in a square. It was like a steel fence sitting on top of a wrestling mat but for whatever reason I was like really taken in by it uh and the announcer came in and apparently they had an odd number of guys show up and they needed someone that weighed I think it was like between 160 and 190 pounds or something like, <laughs> like, like the range yeah it was a huge range so uh I don't know what happened I just stood up and was like I'll do it so they they give you over the, they gave me this like real quick rules meeting which was really really basic there's not a whole lot of rules and uh some basketball shorts and a boil and bite, boil and bite mouthpiece and, and some gloves. And I went in there and fought and I got smoked. Uh, I lost my first four amateur fights and I don't, I don't know, man, I was just hooked. It was like the only thing that, it, that like really caught my attention really my whole life. So I started training after that, like I fought four times and never trained. So um, started training and then I finished out my next 20 fights was 19 and one after I started training. So uh, I went pro in 2008 and, the rest is kind of history. It took me a while. I had a lot of ups and downs to get to the UFC. I got signed in 2013 uh, in Brazil. I blew my knee my very first fight and got cut. And then it took me two and a half years, two and a half years to get back. I had to win eight straight on the regional scene over eight prospects, eight of the, the regional scene's biggest killers. Um, I think I had seven, seven, out of eight, seven out of eight of those guys I finished and then Got my got my my call at the beginning of 2016 to come back. Um, short notice, it was like five or six days notice. I had to cut 30 pounds, fresh off the plane from being in Ireland training at SBG. Um, had a really really tough first fight and was able to squeak out a decision. And, and here we are today. You know, shit, that's a long time ago now. It seems like yeah, seems like I mean not really, but it seems like it. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's, that's cool because you know you 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 know like uh, I think that mo most people when they look at the UFC or, or like the, you know, champions or whatever, you got like, you know, Israel Adesanya or you got like Wonder Boy who's, you know, who's come in and they're these like, you know, they're a thousand and oh in kickboxing or, you know, it's a Hudo with the Olympic wrestling. So I just want people to kind of understand that, you know, not every single person that makes its way, you know, to the UFC, um, you know, was this, was this blue chip prospect? Yeah, I took the uh, hard road for sure. Yeah, I took the hard road, took the hard road. I mean, like, like uh, uh, Reyes is kind of like that, you know, Reyes is a football guy. Uh, I think, you, I think you should fight him, honestly, but um, that's just me. I would I like would to see to, that fight. I would, like to, I would like to fight Reyes. You know, we had a, he's kind of like, he's a cool dude. It seems like. Uh, is he? I've had some weird experiences <laughs> with him, but like, it seems like a lot of people do like him. Like, 
I've, I've met people that do like him. So I haven't had a whole lot of good experiences with him, but it's, I'm, I'm always going to have weird experiences with a lot of the guys in my division. 100%. I, I understand. Um, I'm, and I, sometimes I think it's just me. Like, I don't know if I just rub some guys the wrong way or, or what it is, but I like to think that I'm a pretty nice, easygoing guy. Like, I get along great with Glover. I, even Devin Clark, I got along great with him. Um, you know, I, got, I get along with a lot of the guys, but there are some of them, like, and they're, they're typically guys that are kind of like Dominic Reyes, like fairly cocky, kind of full of himself a little bit, you know, like thinks he's the, you know, God's gift of fighting. But um, I, I think I probably do rub those guys the wrong way because I don't really give a shit how cool they think yeah. they are. Like, <laughs> I'm just Man, I got- a Nebraska dude. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I got to tell you, uh, and, and we, I was uh, I was really happy that that Jan Blachowicz won that fight. <laughs> I was <laughs> really happy that that, that Jan. I, I really, you know, Jan's been another dude that's been in this game forever, man. And uh, he's a hard road like, guy for sure. Huh? He's a hard road guy for man, sure. Man, with the late surge. I mean, same with Glover, man. Like that first round. Like I mean, from the outside looking in, bro, I I felt like there was no way he could have survived that first round. Me too. Uh, you were hitting him with everything. And I'm like, this dude's got it. Like, this dude's the same thing with Tiago. I've always been a huge uh, Tiago fan. I, I saw when y'all fought, man, shit, that was what, 17 maybe ish, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, I've always that just shit been a was big crazy. Tiago fan. That was the craziest I, fight I've ever been in my whole life. Like, there was times where I didn't know if I was up or down or like, like I remember one time I was sitting down on my butt and I was like, how did I get here? Like, yeah. I had no idea what I didn't, he hit me with a spinning kick. And I, I thought the ref hit me. I didn't know where it came from. <laughs> I never seen it coming. Uh, that fight was nuts. Yeah. But um, man, so talk to me about your division just a little bit and then we'll get into just a quick couple quick questions that I want to ask before we go, you know, see John Jones obviously reigned, you know, as the light heavyweight King for quite some time uh, you had the, you know, you, you fought him and talk to me about that fight against John. I know you made some remarks after the fight that you kind of just, it wasn't, it wasn't you, um, you, you know, the kind of the, maybe the whole experience. I don't really know. I don't remember exactly what you were saying, but you didn't feel like you fought your best fight and then kind of how you see the division now with John gone and is he coming up? I mean, do, does, do MMA, do UFC guys enjoy, um, when these guys are, you know, trying to go for double belts, is that something that's cool or appealing or does it kind of clog everything up? Cause as a fan, you know, unless, you know, they're coming up to stay, I feel like it just kind of makes everything very hazy and I, I don't enjoy it too much. Uh, as far as the John thing, you know, that was just a weird deal. You know, someday I'll write a book and I'll tell the whole story, but okay. Uh, fans are always going to think you're making an excuse. So I don't, I don't offer any excuses for the, for the John fight. It happened the way it happened, but it, it was weird. You know, I, I didn't get the John Jones that I prepared for. Number one, he, he, he fought me different than he fought everyone else. And, and moving forward, it's kind of how he's fought everyone since then. So I think he had some sort of evolution and some sort of change in his style. Uh, and I was just the unlucky guy that got the first one. So uh, I would have fought him. I would have, prepared for him differently uh had I known that was what I was going to get you know he just I never really felt like I was in a fight uh I don't think I've ever left a fight and not felt like I was fighting like I when it was done I felt like I just got kind of nullified like he just shut down everything I did it it was really weird like he's a he's a he's a a special kind of athlete like a lot of people talk about his fight IQ all the time and I'm not going to just sit here and rag on John Jones, but he's not the smartest guy in the world. And I think we all know that. So um, he's, he's very well trained though. And he's very in tune with his coaches. So like if John's, like if John's coaches aren't telling him to do something, he's not doing anything. 
like he he doesn't it's like he doesn't have the ability to kind of think on the fly he's he's incredibly creative but those are in spurts it's the spinning shit it's the the jumping the knees stuff, yeah. the, the elbow stuff like he he's very good there but when you're like at distance john is very much in a holding pattern until his coaches tell him to do something and they have a really weird uh like code system like, like were, cadence yeah yeah like they were screaming out the the weirdest things and it didn't make any sense and so it, it was just a weird fight in in general but uh, I definitely kind of froze up a little bit. I think I just got nullified and, you know, that's how it went. Um, as far as the the rest of the division, I think it, it's looking fun. You know, it, John being gone does, unfortunately, for a lot of us that lost to him, takes away that opportunity for us to try again. But um, it does create a lot of fun matchups. Um, I think it rejuvenates a lot of the guys a little bit because it's it's easier to think about what your path to the title looks like when it's not John Jones. And that's just me being honest. Like, that's an incredibly tall hill to climb as a 205er knowing that like your prize at the end of the road is, is John fight with John Jones you know that's, yeah. that's tough, the final you know? boss we all we all believe that we can beat John Jones or else we wouldn't be in this game but uh we're also very aware that that's a very tall task so um with it being Jan who's who's also really really good you know I, I've been saying for a couple of years that John or that Jan is the the dark horse of the division that's the guy I've been and I've been watching out for so with the Izzy thing it's very tough for me to to tell Izzy what he can and can't do. Just with with the stuff that he's he's already done, the 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 amount of superstar that he is right now, the you know he's just he's checked all the boxes. So it's kind of like that dude can kind of do whatever he wants, but it does muddy things up a little bit, and and it does you know it, it puts a lot of us on ice. It, you know, it kind of changes a lot of our matchups because you know I. I I believe completely taking myself out of the division. I believe that Glover to share deserves the next title shot. And I, I think it'll be a travesty if he ends up not getting one. Uh, he's going to be aging out here pretty soon. He's, he's, he's on an incredible run, but at his age, he can't, he can't sustain that for very long. So um, I think if you were to tell anybody a year ago that Glover to was going to finish me and Tiago Santos in the same year, I think people would tell you you're crazy. So I think we should keep, his momentum going. And if he's going to get a shot, I think we need to give it to him now because I think he's, he deserves it. It's kind of my take on it. The, the double belt thing. It's cool when it happens. It's the stuff that follows that, that becomes the problem. Like which one is he going to defend? Is he going to hold this one? Let that one go. Like, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Um, and then what he's going to be, say he beats Jan. Is he really going to stay at 205 for a long time? Like I doubt that. Um, so then he's just going to let it go. And now we got two fresh guys fighting for it. Like, that kind of sucks. But a part of me feels like he wants to come up to 205. He wants to win the belt just to kind of kind of dangle it in John's face a little bit. I, I mean, you know, agree. just to, you know, I, I came here and I won, you know, kind of your belt, you know, as John has referred to it. Um, and then he's just he'll just leave. I mean, John seems like he's well onto the way to, to heavyweight though. Um yeah, he doesn't look like he's coming. No, he doesn't look like he's coming back down anytime soon. <laughs> Big boy right now. He's yeah, he doesn't look like he's coming back down anytime soon. Um, but man, I, so a couple quick questions just like to to finish up. Just I'm just gonna pop them off at you. Uh what is the one fight? What's your what what is your favorite fight? Uh, of all time like your personal like like one that you've been in that if you were to tell someone man you got to watch my fight uh, watch shogun. this one shogun for sure shogun and i and i've always thanked shogun for that opportunity because again he didn't have to give that to me um he could have just said especially you know, shogun's got all the money in the world he does whatever he wants he calls the shots he could have said i'm not fighting this guy in two weeks notice you know push me back a month or something but he gave me that opportunity and, and he didn't have to do that 
Yeah, very cool. Uh, the goat conversation has been a big topic. We'll take, we'll take, uh, no, I'll leave John in. If you just rattle off, uh, in no specific order, you don't have to give me an order, but like when you think of mixed martial arts, you think of MMA as a whole, who do you think are like the top five in your opinion right now, all time? Um, all time, John Jones, one, GSP, two, Demetrius Johnson, three, um, Amanda Nunez. Four. There we and, go. And um, probably Randy Couture. Randy Couture. Five. Very cool. Not, not that, that. That's an that's a interesting top five. Not a lot of people have. I mean, Amanda should be in a lot of people's top five. I think. I think a lot of people don't include her. And then uh, I, I haven't heard Couture in, in a lot of people's top five. Yeah, you know, I think I think Randy did a lot for the sport as far as bringing it to like more. Like I think Chuck Liddell was kind of that first crew of like mainstream guys who made it super popular. Hundred percent, Ice Man. Yeah, and then I think Randy, Randy Couture is the guy who, who showed that wrestlers could be super competitive, and, and I think he pulled a lot of guys in from, from the wrestling world that maybe we wouldn't have gotten. Um, and Amanda Nunes, for sure. I mean, she, I think she's beaten every female that's ever held the 135 or 145-pound title. Like, she's absolutely the, the greatest female combat sports athlete. Oh, no doubt. World, for sure. Yeah, she's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And if you could make... If you could have like one dream fight, uh, this would be the last question. It has, you know, assuming that you could fight anyone in any weight class, you know, who, who would be your one dream fight? I, I think it would, I think it would have been fun to fight Anderson Silva. Anderson Just, Silva. I think, I think it would have been a lot of fun to fight. Anderson. In his prime. In his prime. Yeah. yeah. Prime Anderson. <laughs> Yeah, not I, the last know, I, know, I mean, I don't know how much fun it would have ended up being, but no, right, right. I think just competing against someone like that, just to, because like fighting Shogun, I, I imagined what I thought it was going to be like when we were in there, but it was way different. You know, it was, it's, it's those kind of, not to disrespect them, but those old guys, they, they carry this weird aura with them. You know, like Shogun's the only guy that is, I've ever been in the octagon. Uh, and then when his music hit, I remember like being a fan of him while he was walking to fight me forgetting where I was for a second like his music played it was the same music he used in pride and then he was just walking and the crowd in Germany was going crazy and then it hit me like oh shit he's coming, to, he's coming to fight me yeah oh so I had to like kind of rein myself back in a little bit I feel like I don't know it'd be cool just to hear Anderson's hear that DMX hit the hit the speakers uh and then Anderson with that with that slow, just like kind of lazadaisical walk, like he wasn't yeah. about to go beat the shit out of somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, that shit was a spectacle, man. It'd been cool to be a part of that. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's definitely an MMA goat for sure, man. Well, Anthony Smith, bro, I cannot say how much I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, taking your time out of your day, and, and best of luck in 2021. I hope to see you fight for the title again soon, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Hey, I got a question though. Absolutely. So, so my best friend in the whole world. Uh, has a son who's uh he's 12 years old okay and I'm telling you he's gonna be a really good baseball player but i told him that i was coming on with you and i'm supposed to ask you if you can sign something and then send it a hundred percent carlos and i will both sign something no doubt that's awesome man yeah right. no doubt bro anytime i'll make sure to you know i'll make sure to get something cool over for him sounds good man thank you all right brother thank you all right, guys, the number eight. Hopefully, you enjoy the Anthony Smith interview. Thank you so much, Anthony. He's an awesome dude. We gave Carlos today off uh, yesterday when I interviewed him because it was his anniversary. First anniversary. Yes, wow. first one. 
Happy He's anniversary. Okay. Thank you, my Happy dog. Happy anniversary. Thank you, my dog. So, uh, any number eight, guys, we're just going to be talking about the roundup, basically. There's a lot of things floating out there in the uh, the MMA world, so to speak. Hold on, hold on. Before you jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you to gotta tell the people in the podcast that we go so back. How, how many years have you been married? I've been married six years almost. Six years, bro. We go so way back. Yeah. Then I was at your wedding. Yes, you were. Dancing yep. and going out there on you, the dance you floor. Had a, you had a red tux on. Yeah. I yeah. had the time of my life you at your wedding, You had a red wedding, tux brother. on. That yeah. was so awesome. Way back. Yeah, Carlos was there. Flew in from Puerto Rico for me. Yeah. That, that, that was big. So we had Rio, we, uh, Rio was there. Yeah. I think Vince Velasquez. Brett. Brett. Marco Pell. We had a lot, of, a lot of the minor league dudes we came up with. Um, there that night, so we're still standing. It's just you and we're me still at the end of the day, baby. <laughs> the only Astros left for a while, for only one more year. That's right, baby. Uh, Israel Adesanya fancies himself a jiu-jitsu practicer. He says that he hopes people take him down because he wants to. He wants to submit somebody. Yeah, bro. I mean, it's this guy is a real deal on the feet. We all know he's oh, yeah. the best striker in the roster. I know Connor is there and all these guys, but this guy can do it with the with the with the hands and the legs. I mean, this guy is a total package when it comes to striking. But now people know that. So when you're champion, there's the target on your back and everybody's coming after you. And these guys are gonna get ready for you. And they know they have no chance standing and trading with you. So what they're gonna do, they're gonna try to take you down. They're gonna look for ways to take you down. And he got to find ways to fight off his back, to get up and submit people. And we've seen his Instagram. He posted a video that he then deleted, practicing jiu-jitsu. Um, <laughs> he started getting a lot of hate, so he took it off. Yeah, he was talking to Joe Rogan on his podcast. I listened to it yesterday. And he said he's been working on the Peruvian necktie, which is a, a form of, of a guillotine um, where you put your leg up over the, over the back and you get the guillotine from the side. I mean, this guy's working on his BJJ. He knows what he wants. He said he doesn't want to be like John Jones where, you know, his, his career went, went a little south. Uh, at some point, he said he don't want to be like Ronda Rousey, that she started doing movies and all that, and she let the fame get to her. He he wants to be a Silva. Uh, he wants to be champion and defend 15 times. I mean, this guy this guy knows what he wants, and, and I John, love hearing John that. has defended like 15 times. Yeah, he did, but, but he was back and forth. He's always like, he he's always, he can't keep he John stripped. Jones' name out of his mouth. He, yeah, I mean. There's beef there. I mean, I mean he, he, mentioned, he said John Jones at least four times in the interview. Yeah, but he can't. I mean, John got stripped because he was he was riding around drunk, shooting pistols in the air. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I know I get it. Israel is absolutely the best striker on the roster. When you talk about someone who can do it with you know with 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 both hands, he can he can change stances. He you know he, he cuts his angles. He can kick. He keeps his distance. You know when you piece together the wins like he has against the competition that he has you got to give it up for him so like you said the guys got one option now they said screw it screw it we're, we're just going to try to take him down i mean that's that's the only chance we got and to israel's you know credit he has said i know i'm weak weaker in this area mm -hmm. i think he's a blue belt i am weaker yeah. in this area so i have to be better so he's he's addressing it man so yeah. he's out there he's working he said every single day he's in there working on his jiu-jitsu game so up, ups to Israel, man. I mean, if if he gets his, you know, let's say like Tony Ferguson got his black belt in three years. Let's say Israel just becomes sufficient on the ground. It took him five years to get a blue belt. A blue belt. It took him five years. <laughs> it did it. Yeah, it did. Five years to get a blue belt. He said it on the podcast with Joe Rogan. Yeah. Five years, brother. I mean, he's a striker. He works more on striking sure, and all for that. For sure. He hates to roll, he said. Um, but it took him five years, right? Yeah. Well, you know, he he he's at least identified it. So, you know, maybe we, we, we have a future submission um, waiting to happen there with, with Izzy. That'll be something. So Marvin Vittori, the Italian mm. stallion. Mm. You guys may remember he caught uh, social media fame a couple months ago when he basically, um, 
you know, he confronted his opponent in the lobby because he thought that his opponent pulled out. It was Robertson. It was Robertson, Robertson yeah. yeah. So he thought that he, his guy pulled out for, for BS reasons, that he was kind of faking a, a bad weight cut, and he didn't just want to fight Vittori. And so Vittori steps in on late notice to fight the Joker, Jack Hermanson. I think he was ranked, what, four, five? five. Yeah. And that he put on a show. Mm-hmm. We thought... This guy's a good fighter. We said it in the chat. This guy's don't sleep on this guy. He fought Izzy. He fought him tough. It was it was Izzy's toughest um, toughest opponent that he's fought to date, which is still true. And we said, but you know, it's late notice. You know, the weight cut could be tough. He looks very big. The the conditioning, nah. This dude went out there on a freaking mission, bro. And Jack Hermanson still fought a good fight. Vittoria didn't matter. He he had every he had answers for everything that 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 Jack did and. A star could have been born this night, man. With the way he talks, the way he fights, he called out, you know, he called out um, Apollo Costa. Dana said he loves that fight. I mean, this is how you do it, bro. This is how you do it. Marvin Vittori knows what he's doing. I mean, if you have, if you guys haven't seen this fight, you go on the ESPN app, watch Vittori versus Hermanson, and you're gonna see the all-time strikes landed in a fight on a middleweight division. I mean, this fight was insane. This was fight of the night. They were going back and forth. When the tide looked like it was shifting towards Hermanson, he came right back. He told his coach in the yeah. corner, I got this. I'm going to I'm gonna jump right back and win this round. He went on the fourth that round. That was the third, right? After losing the, and third, losing the third, he yeah. went on the fourth round, and he went back toe-to-toe with Jack Hermanson. Won that round. Then went on the fifth, finished strong. Won four to one. I mean, this guy is going to be a star. He gave Easy his toughest test, and... You know, it was a split decision. I mean, one judge saw um, Vittori win that and fight. And we know how these judges go. Yeah. So, you know, this guy's going to go out there. He's in the top five now when the rankings come um, today or tomorrow. I mean, this guy, this guy, I like this guy. And like calling Paulo Costa like that, I like he's going to be a lot. top five for Paulo. Don't think, I mean, Paulo's a monster. Let's not judge him of that fight against Easy. Yes. He's a monster. Don't forget what but he's done. he cannot sleep on Vittori. Vittori's coming, brother. No. I, I loved it because, you know, this is what, is so great about the UFC right now, mixed martial arts right now. People are able to make their careers mm-hmm. off of stepping up late notice and you know putting up great performances. But don't forget, big ups to Jack Hermanson, man, because he could have pulled out of this fight. Jack Hermanson was supposed to be fighting Darren Till. Darren Till got hurt. He's supposed to be fighting Kevin Holland. Uh, Holland had tested positive for COVID. So now he's going to fight Vittori, and everyone inside the MMA game knows, as you just heard Anthony Smith say, bro, these guys know who these monsters are. Mm-hmm. These guys know that just because they don't have a high rank next to their name or no ranking at all, they still know that these dudes are monsters, and they are tough, tough tests. So Jack Hermanson gave um, you know Marvin that opportunity, and he, he took advantage of it, man. But I hope that Jack still hangs around. It was a great fight. Not a lot of people have been saying this could be a fight of the year candidate. I think this could be a fight of your candidate. Yeah. It was a hell of a fight. Yeah. Back and forth, back and forth. He said most most strikes in middleweight history. I mean, bro. It was really good. It was really good. It was a freaking, it was a freaking banger. I love this thing. I just, I just want the ladies to win it. Joanna and Oh, Wendy. they still have the best fight. But, you know, you every time a good fight happens, you but see you, people popping off. It's fight of the five. year. Fight of the year. It's top five. Yeah, yeah top I think five. so. Uh, Joanna, um, Hooker, T- and Poirier. Hooker and Poirier. That was great. Yeah, maybe maybe Andrade and Rose was, was, was a great one. That was a three round, though. Gaethje and Ferguson. Oh, yeah. Gaethje and Ferguson. Great. But those are, you see, those are all five rounds. So I think fight of the year has got to be five round. But that Joanna, Wei Lee, people forget because it was it was. Pre-COVID, you know, it was back early in the year, but y'all want to see a fight? 
Y'all go watch. You're that bored fight. and one tw- and have twenty five you know, minutes. You don't even matter if you're bored. If if you're yeah. busy and you just want to do something else, go watch that fight. Ladies, if you're cleaning the house or guys, if you're cleaning the house, play the fight and watch it. Yeah, you're gonna enjoy. Just it. watch it. You'll like it. So, um, Jam- Jamal Hill remains undefeated. He had a standing TKO versus OSP. That was nice, bro. That was so nice. My man's got hands. He's got hands. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. He's got hands. I mean, he was landing. I really like him. Uh, I, I like him it. a lot. He, it was a big step up in competition against OSP, ranked opponent. He went out there, did what he had to do, got the TKO, and he's all about finishes. Like yeah. you said, oh, yeah. stepping in short notice, either you go five rounds of war like Vittori did and win an impressive performance, or you put somebody to sleep, and that's the way you climb the ladder real quick. Um, 100%. Shimaev, three fights, yeah. three finishes. Not even goes, against rank guys. Yes, yeah, goes out there. He fights. He's fighting number three next. I mean, bro, Hill. That's could, how you do it, bro. Hill could get back in there quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. He didn't take. He didn't take much of any no, damage. Bro. And, and and most other dudes. I mean, OSP is a. He missed weight. He is a massive, massive light heavyweight. Yeah, bro. Look at his legs. These and other dudes, <laughs> bro. <laughs> these other dudes that Hill will be fighting. I think. I don't think would have lasted that long. No, bro. I mean, his his yeah his, his striking. So we'll we'll see when he's tested in the you know the other elements, but his striking. Is clean. I, I like his setup. Jordan Levitt, aka the Monkey King. Did you see his his slam? Yeah. I know you saw the slam. Did yeah. you slam frame the, split. the face? The split. So I saw the split on the Dana White Contender series, bro, and it was it was hilarious because he was like he gave three pumps. He went up <laughs> and down three it. times with the hand up, and then but when you do it. In the UFC, it is different than the White Contender Series when only a few people are watching, bro. I mean, this guy is funny. He's a great fighter, obviously. He showed yeah. that. And he's got the best celebration right now in the UFC, bro. bro so, hey, <laughs> he, went from, he went from frame to face slam, one of the most brutal slams. I mean, Holland had a really nasty slam, too, not too long ago. A brutal slam for, a, for an immediate uh, KO Which knockout. Which you think should be illegal. And somebody wrote an article. That I think that it should, should be, be illegal. illegal. Yeah, somebody wrote an article. Yeah. I saw it, um, that it should be illegal. Yeah, so Carlos and I were talking during the fight um, that I, I thought that frame, frame of the face to drop him on the back of the head like that should be legal. You can't, you, can't, you can't punch in the back of the head. You can't elbow in the back of the head. There are a lot of rules. No 12-6s to avoid that top to the back of the head. No knees when you're on the ground to protect, you know, that face, um, you know, when you're in side control. But the, they're going to let these dudes frame the face and just absolutely drop these guys with the momentum, with their body weight. So it was, it was, it was a scary scene. It was a great, you know, great finish, but it was a scary scene. And I, I think that that could be an easy, uh, an easy rule change that I don't think many people would, would have to deal with. Was Kevin Holland slam uh, framing the face also? No, no, no. It was so just... Uh, are you saying framing the face or the slam should I'm be I'm saying, fr- like, the way, he, the way he had him picked up and he, he, brought, he, he brought his left hand up and he kind of cupped the left side of his face and yeah. he slammed him so there was no give. Yeah. So his, 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 he couldn't really tuck his chin. Yeah. Like he, you, he, tip, you, yeah. you can tuck your chin like you typically do when you're getting, when you're getting taken down. One of the first things you learn in jiu-jitsu wrestling, you're getting, you're getting slammed, you got to tuck that chin. So he, he framed the face so that the chin, was, he couldn't be tucked and then there was no give. He just absolutely dropped him. Bro. Totally legal. Went but to I sleep. think that, that there could be look at that because in this day and age, we don't want to take the, the love and, you know, and, and the violence out of the sport, but there are some serious, you know, health problems and, and long-term brain injuries that you have to look at. And when you can avoid something like that, so simple, I think you should do it. And some people have died on MMA fights yeah. and we don't want to see in that the in UFC, the UFC, but they have, they have died, unfortunately, in the MMA fights, but the split, he did the split and then he did the, the dirty dancing, um, 
<laughs> he did the dirty dancing. I don't even know. Is it called a parallel? Paral- I, I don't know what it's called, but it looked like the Titanic scene, but yeah. facing down. I yeah. mean, it was, Dom- it was awesome. Dominic Cruz was like, oh, dirty dancing. So, you know, he liked that. But, um, you know, Jordan Levette with the with, with the great knockout, I think they should probably look at that rule. But um, good knockout and um, and and I guess good good celebration. And if he's listening to the podcast, jump right back in and get on the oh, side bro, right away. Oh, bro, get in there, man. Get in there. That's how you do it. He, he gains, I think he's getting about like up like 8,000 followers on Instagram since, since that slam. That's, oh, what, that's, that's what I saw. No, no, since the split. <laughs> since the split. <laughs> since, the, since the split, he's up 8,000. And then um, speaking of Cruz, we have we have Cruz versus Casey Kennedy. Interesting, huh? On March 6th. Yeah. So you got. Unranked opponent. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Dominic Maybe he just Cruz. wanted to fight. Maybe he wants to get get a win, get his confidence back. Maybe. I don't know. If, but I don't if, know if much about Casey Kenny. If you don't get a win. Yeah. Uh Maybe time to just to be just to be a booth guy. <laughs> I love Dominic Cruz. I, I've shared my my feelings uh towards him. I think he's one of the smartest guys in the business. I think he's past his prime. He still wants to fight. Um, but he's got to pick his fights. And Casey Kenny, I think it's a good fight for him. He's going to go out there and hopefully, you know, his feet moving and, you know, he's going to win by decision. So um, I love Dominic Cruz, bro. I, no, he's I, great. We've we followed it's him the, since. It's, 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 just, it's just the injuries, I think, are yeah. adding up for him. And, you know, the story, just the story of him coming back after two-year layoff and getting hurt again, two-more-year layoff. And it's, it's inspiring for all the athletes out there that get hurt. For sure. Um, but, man. When you're past your prime, you gotta you gotta hang, especially with the gig that he has, bro. He's I mean, got he's got gig. the unlocking victory on ESPN. He gets on the commentating booth. I mean, he's got so many gigs. My guys gotta fighting. be making close to seven figs just talking about fighting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why? Why put your body through that? Yeah. We'll see. Maybe he's got some stuff left in the tank. You'd love to see it. All right, guys, that's it for the roundup at E number eight and number nine. We're gonna do a couple of picks and uh, we'll see where we stand after this episode. All right, guys, inning number nine, our last segment. And we're going to go over the card here for the UFC 256, make some picks. Uh, we'll go ahead and start off in the prelims. We'll go ahead and start off with um, Dern versus uh, Verna. It's in the prelims. Uh, like I mentioned, this is a battle of the Jitsu for practice, uh, practicers. I am going to go with Mackenzie Dern because she's just my girl. Yeah, I like Mackenzie, bro, and, you know. I, I like her. I like her a lot. So, you know, I got to go with Mackenzie Dern on this one. I oh. usually like to go against you, yeah, but, I know. but not on this one. I think there's going to be a lot of the same picks here. Yeah. Uh, in the main event of the prelims, so to speak, we have Swanson versus Pineda. And Pineda is Ooh. who fought Herbert Burns and, yeah. and, and knocked Herbert Burns out. He's from here. Houston, yeah, Texas. From Houston. He trains with Bob. I'm going Pineda. Yeah, Pineda, 100%. He trains uh, here, uh, Main Street MMA with Bob. Coach Bob, the legend. And to start the main card here, we have Junior Dos Santos, the former champion, Whoa. versus 6-0 Gain. He's 3-0 in his UFC career thus far, and he is a hefty, hefty favorite. He's a 440. beast. He's a beast, bro. Got two strikers, and in my opinion, man, uh, Dos Santos' chin is just... It's just not there anymore. Yeah, and he's old. He's past his prime. If you don't know Junior Santos, he was a champion of the heavyweight division at some point. Um, was not able to defend, but he's still great. He's fought some of the greatest out there. I got to go with my man over here, Junior Dos Santos. I got to go on Junior Dos Santos? I got to stay with the legend, bro. Okay, okay. So that's one. We'll see We'll see who pulls out. In the uh, fourth match of uh, that card, we have Jacques Souza versus uh, Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland also has come through here. Uh, he's a Houston guy. But I'm, I'm at a crossroads because you know 
that I love me some Jacare Souza. Yeah. You know, I'm having a hard time with this. Bro. Shit. I'm laughing because, bro, this card is stacked. When you it's got Junior stacked. Dos Santos starting the card, former heavyweight champion. I mean, whoa. Shit. I'm going to go with Kevin Holland on this one. I mean, listening to his story, where he comes from, how he grinds, the green meme machine that he bought because Dana White told him to buy it. I mean, this guy has a great history, a story, and I want him to win, brother. I really want him I to want, win. I love Jacare, but I really do want Holland. I want him to win this fight. I want him to finish this fight. I want him to win fighter of the year. I mean, this will be his fifth win. And you said 2020. You said in recent podcasts, you said that Watch he's out for one of your dude. favorites. He is. Watch out for this dude. Yeah. I like I like his game as a whole. He's big, he's long, he's strong, he's got good uh grappling game. Obviously, you know, he's he's got some he's got some judo under him with with those throws and he's got hands, man. He'll stand and trade and he's honest. When he lost, when he beat Stewart in that um decision, he said I'm not happy with this win. I'm not happy I need to get back in there and I need to do better. So Bro, if you're willing to step in two weeks' notice for your debut against Thiago Santos, you're, you're a bad man. Yeah, you're a bad man. You're a bad man. We gotta go with the bad man. So Holland for me there. In the third fight, we have uh Faziv versus uh Moicano. This is a grappler versus striker matchup. You know who I'm gonna pick. You're gonna pick Moicano. No. <laughs> if he's if it ends with a V, oh yeah, he's winning for you, sure. You can't go against anyone with a V. If he finishes it ends with a V, he's winning for sure. Faziv is gonna win this fight for me. Yeah. Um, Fazeev was, was really impressive. He's got really good hands. In that fight, he was taking a little some unnecessary risks, and uh, Moicano is going to get him to the mat, and he's going he's gonna to pull the upset, I think. You think so? I, I don't think so, but that's what I'm going with. Moicano yeah. <laughs> don't like to rapple no more. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. My heart's telling me Fazeev, so I'm going to go with Fazeev. I think he's going <laughs> to win. I don't think Moicano's. I think he's going to knock him out. Yeah, for sure. We got Charles Oliveira versus Tony Ferguson. Ooh. Ferguson's a Fer, hey, Fer, hey, Ferguson's the favorite. I know. 165. Oh. oh Means shit. we're putting some money on that? Oh shit. Oh. I gotta call my guy and put some <laughs> some money on that, bro. Oliveira? Underdog? I like Oliveira. Are a you lot, sure? Man. I'm positive. What's he's, the line on Oliveira? He's a plus one forty five. Wow. Oof. We gotta put some money on that one. Yeah. Okay. I'm I've in. been shitting on Tony too much, bro. And people are gonna think I hate Tony. I I love Tony. I just think he's past his prime. Yeah. But I love me some Kukui. I love me the boogeyman. I, I love his baseball videos. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna play. Like, I'm gonna put a Kukui on my glove next year. Yeah. Put a Kukui. I'm like, gonna do it. He's a legend of the sport. Like Cormier said, he's the best of the rest. Like he's never been able to be undisputed champion. Right. But he's the best of the rest. He's yeah. amazing. Shit. You got to pick, bro. I got Oliveira. You got to pick, bro. Don't be afraid to go uh, against him, I'm, bro. I'm going with Ferguson um, <laughs> because um, because that's where my heart lies. Let's go. I actually DM'd um, uh, Harold Hebwani the other day, and I said, um, it's Oliveira's time to shine. Yeah. But, I'm, but even though when you go into these fights, even though you may know Something may not go your way. That's still my guy. Yeah. So I'm still I'm still going with Tony. Yeah. Stick to your gut. I'm brother. still going with him. Maybe he'll land that massive right uppercut and have ten more seconds. Well, 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 hold on one second. What do you think Tony's game plan should be against Oliveira? Because it can't be like Gaethje take him to the mat. Because I think I think Tony's got to I think Tony's got to counter strike. Okay. I think Tony's got to keep his distance. 
Uh, they're very similar in um, in height. Tony's got a little bit uh, bigger of a reach, a 76 and a half uh, for Tony versus 74 for Oliveira. Oliveira is better on the ground. It is what it is. Tony is very good on the map, but Oliveira is just better. Um, I don't want to get into a tire standoff where they're both got that foot in the tire and they're just they're just Trey like he was against um, Gaethje. Gaethje. He needs to dictate the pace of the fight. When he wants to push, he pushes. When he wants to pull back and pull Oliveira into his range, he does that. He's got the reach advantage. Oliveira is going to be anxious. He's going to want to make a statement. He's going to want to get him to the ground. Do not let him get his hands on you unless that's what you want. So draw him in, man. Draw him in. Use your Use your variety. Use yeah, your variety. Don't just sit there and throw overhand rights or uppercuts like you were against Gaethje. Yeah. Show me what you're, you know, he, he is extremely well-rounded as a fighter, Tony. He doesn't do any one thing like spectacularly other than maybe doing damage from the bottom on the ground. He's one of the best at that. And that Darce choke, but damn, bro, just just use use your array of skill. It's, it's, it's safe to say we're not going to see any Imunari roles in this one. But, bro, one thing I'm scared. I hope I don't have to call for him again. No, don't call for <laughs> Oliveira, one thing I'm scared about Oliveira is that he has a tendency of falling short on big fights. Every time there's a big fight okay. and he goes out there, he's going to fight. I know he's on a seven-fight win streak, but back in the day when he was the, one of the biggest prospects in the UFC and he started losing fights, he always fell short. Like yeah. He was winning fights and he always fell short. So I hope he can get over that hump and this is the biggest fight of his career and I, I hope he can get it done. It is. Biggest fight and I hope it makes way too. And then, of course, in the main event, you got Figueredo, the baddest man, one of the baddest men walking right now versus Moreno. I love Moreno. I actually saw him win the uh, Ultimate Fighter. I, I watched that whole season, so I'm a big Moreno fan, but it's just not his time. I do believe if Figueredo goes up or ever vacates his belt, then Moreno will reign in this division for 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 quite a while. He's got the best stand up and and the best you know grappling and ground game as a whole. He's the best of the rest in this division. But Figueroa is going to take this home. Yeah, it's hard to to pick Moreno on this one because you know everything Moreno's good at, Figueroa is just better. Yeah, and you know Figueroa is a monster, bro. It's, it's crazy because when you see the pictures of him at the beauty salon when he was doing hairs or or, or making sushi when he was a chef, like he looks so gentle and he doesn't look scary at all. And then you see him with the blonde hair and the and the red stripe in the octagon. He this looks looks intimidating. It looks like wow, he's nobody scary, can dude. beat him. I mean, he's the, the look that he's he gives you when he goes across his neck. Oh, like, I'm going to kill you. Like, yeah. scary, bro. I mean, this dude is a real deal. Yeah. Well, guys, there is a great card coming at you this Saturday. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed, please like us on Spotify, on Apple Podcast, on SiriusXM app. Go follow us at the Walkout Podcast on Instagram. We'll be coming at you virtually over the next couple of weeks, but we will get our episodes done because we want you guys to hear what we have to say about these great cards. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Serious XM Podcasts. <laughs>